Sarah. Hi, Dean. Nice to meet you guys. You too. Right, nice to meet you. So first off, um, obviously we're, you know, we're going to talk about um, the situation with your mother and with John and then with you and John um, and, you know, everything with the aftermath of what happened to you. So if you could talk a little bit about what your first impression of him was. So my first impression of John was I heard bad things from my sister about him. So I wanted to come into it with kind of a clear slate. And I noticed that he just didn't really want to engage with me when I first met him and that he just seemed kind of closed off. And what had you heard from your sister? So I heard that he was a bad person. She didn't like him that he was just wanting my mom's money and that he's a crook and just like saying all these things, like, you know, you say that about some people's boyfriends or whatnot, or you say that about your mom's boyfriends and you're just like, oh, I don't like him. He's a crook. And so you want to kind of see for yourself because you're like, oh, we just kind of say that stuff sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long after she had met him did you uh end up meeting him i met him i believe it was two months into their dating okay and you did you hear anything from your mom about him like um obviously she would have said differently than what your sister had said but should she talk to you about him he was just like oh he's amazing tara he's so much like you he loves dogs and she just went on 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 and on about how amazing he was yeah yeah and before she dated john um she had been in quite a few relationships correct yeah she's been married a few times yeah okay (laughs) and what would you say her relationships were like with those men well i feel that a lot of them um i don't think that they were necessarily psychopaths. Um, (laughs) That's like a whole new breed, but I definitely think that a lot of them were narcissists or Mm. um, one of them was a sociopath in my opinion. Okay. And um, there was one that I did like, I did like him. He just had some issues, um, but I don't think he would have a personality disorder, like a cluster B personality disorder or anything. Mm. I think it was just, um, uncompatible was your was your sister's reaction to them the same as yours yeah I think that my sister was a little bit more hard on my mom than I was um and I tried to see the good in them and tried to get along with them I more so got along with all her ex-husbands compared to my sister my sister seemed to butt heads with everyone but in the end like I didn't like a lot of these guys either. Were they, what were, what was your relationship like with them? Do you feel like you were, you were able to, to talk to them? Um, You know, did you, did you notice any strange behaviors aside from obviously, you know, if somebody's a narcissist, they're going to have some, some tendencies. So um, what did you feel? Were you, were you able to, to have a relationship with them? So the guy that she married after my mom, I say he took me out for ice cream once or twice, but he just, I felt like he needed to have control over everyone. And, you know, with a narcissist, there's always the point of weakness where you're like, oh, like this person's a good person. And there's always good times with them. Um, But there's a lot more bad times than good times. And the reason why they're with you is an altering motive most of the time. So it's, it's really hard, but I did slightly get along with them. It, it was just, they had issues with how my mom parented us. And then he also, like, I remember one time this guy, he was a dentist. He worked three days a week. Um, And he literally would always get mad at my mom. But he also, when she married him, she was a designer. She worked all the time. 
she went shopping and her life didn't really change with us except for he was in the picture and now he wanted to create more rules with us he wanted to be in charge he actually created rules for my mom like she wasn't allowed to go shopping with us she he she had to call him to do certain things and so he was really the type of he was really a, i think this one was a sociopath um and he really tried to get control over her. And then I actually first saw my first experience of love bombing through, well, actually I've seen the experience of love bombing before with the guy that she dated after my dad. He bought so much stuff for us all the time, but little did we know it was really her money. Mm. So, um, (laughs) But she actually won a case recently, and she was able to get that money back from that guy. Um, So thank goodness for that. But there was really um, certain signs that you would see, like gaslighting, love bombing. And that's what I kind of noticed with some of her um, relationships. Why do you think your mom gravitated towards men like that? I don't really think it's my place to say why Mm -hmm. she did but I think that if you repeat certain patterns um it's hard to get out of those patterns right definitely while your mom was dating John um she had been seeing a psychologist and the psychologist had mentioned to her to you know not really let you and your sister um you know, essentially control her relationship with John. Meanwhile, John was really trying to control her relationship with you guys. Um, Obviously, the psychologist wouldn't have known this, but, you know, what what did you feel during that time um, where your mom was kind of uh, pulling away a little bit from you and your your sister? It was frustrating, but I understand that she needs to have certain boundaries with us. It's just hard when your mom's dating a psychopath or married to a psychopath. Um, So it's just complicated. But I definitely think that the therapist was right with, like, having boundaries put up with us because her life needs to be her life. And her relationship needs to be her relationship. We shouldn't have to get involved in that. Mm -hmm. How much do you think that the psychologist knew about what was really going on in the relationship? So I think that when you go to therapy that you need to focus on the problem at hand. And when you're talking about wanting to have a good relationship with your daughters, that's going to be the main focus. So I don't know how much of the therapy my mom went on her own to discuss John and stuff, but her issue in therapy was trying to have boundaries with her kids and So the therapist was really focusing on that, Mm -hmm. where if you went to the therapist and you were like, I'm having thoughts about this guy, is something not right with him, then the therapist would dissect that. Uh, So I think it's just like really what you come to the therapist for. And I think at the time it was just about boundaries. Right. Okay. So she was primarily going because of the relationship with you girls. Yes. Okay. Because I did bring up... in a session, I was like, well, John's doing this and that. And the therapist told me, well, that's not what we're focusing on. We're focusing on trying to have a good experience at Christmas where you could be able to go in and be with your family with John there. So, you know, if we did get sidelined by that stuff, the therapist also did say, oh, well, that's, um, I'm curious about that too, but that's not what we're discussing, you know? How do you feel therapy was for your relationship with your mom? I feel that it's helpful to help um, discuss dynamics and to help have someone kind of um, be a buffer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Especially because I know my sister, we're all strong personalities. Mm -hmm. Um, So our opinion 
will be known. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's definitely great to have someone there that kind of is like, okay, well, you need to take a step back and you're getting off track right now. Like, let's discuss what's at hand and really try to navigate that relationship. Right, right. Did you, you obviously just mentioned that you had tried to discuss um, the situation with John. Did you ever get to break through into that in therapy? So after that, that was because we had to do, or I had to do Christmas with him. Right. And um, Christmas did not go well. Right, yes. (laughs) Like the point of the thing was for me to go with the kids. And then he would go with the guys mm-hmm. and then we would have our separate space. But right when he got there, he like went straight to the kids, started giving them gifts. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> like this guy's doing the exact opposite of what we discussed in therapy. Right. Like, so how is this fair? Did you, did you mention that to your mom? Did you pull her aside at all and, and say, you know, I don't feel like this is appropriate? I tried to, but... Mm-hmm. When you're so in love with someone and your daughter's the one having the issue, it's like, well, the one having the issue is kind of annoying, you know? Yeah. And so, unfortunately, I told her, but she was just like, oh, like, she tried to brush it under the rug. Like, he did wasn't doing anything wrong. And so, that made me get even more emotional. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I, like, had to go, I had to go step aside and just cry because I couldn't handle it. And it was too much. And I'm also an empath. So I feel everything that he's doing to me. I feel those digs. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I feel that energy in the room and I can't handle that sometimes. And so that's why I have to kind of step aside and take time. But this time I just was so emotional. And then my niece came up to me and was just like, I think even my niece who was so young could kind of see that this guy was a bad guy. Sometimes, I mean, you know, with you being an empath, like that runs in families too. So, you know, she, she may have had a little bit of that. Oh, I I think, I think a hundred percent. Like, I think that she's an empath and she's just like, like she still doesn't like John. Well, like she still, she hates him, you know, (laughs) she's like in high school now. She just is a freshman. Uh, but like back, this is like four or five years, five years ago. So she was littler then. Yeah. Um, but she absolutely picked up on everything. And then her mom actually didn't want them being around John and my mom because mm-hmm. they thought John was a terrible person. And right. he also taught my niece about the birds and bees. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, that's not okay. Yeah, that's not okay. Oh, jeez. That's, like, not okay on so many levels. So many levels. Yes. Jeez. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And was this before or after your mom married him? I think this was during. Like, their marriage okay. was a secret. Yes. She got married, Um, I think it was, like, right after Thanksgiving. Okay. Or okay. Christmas. Okay. And she got married in Vegas, which is actually where I was living. So I wasn't too happy about that. Yeah. How long after they got married did you find out? Uh, this is really hard. I can't remember. I remember it being like, I can't remember if it was like the first time she left. I think it was the first time she left him. Okay. And then we were like, oh man, they're married it's not that easy for her to leave now. Right. How hard on you, on, on, on you and your siblings was that, that she hid that such a, such an important part of her life from you? So I think that it was extremely difficult. Um, because, you know, we would want to be there if she got married and stuff and we didn't really approve of him and we knew he was a crook and we knew that he was taking advantage of her and we were just like he got his way like this is just like it's not gonna end well now we were just like it was just like a a baffled moment like we were just like but it didn't surprise us yeah we were just like uh 
are you kidding me? Like, how are we going to get out of this now? Like, it was just like our fate from that moment was kind of set, but you know, you could always change the fate. I can't fathom that. No, I mean, I would be, I would be blown away by that and and upset and distraught. And I don't know what I would do in that situation. I know, I know. You know, especially after they had separated and you think, oh, great, we're out of the woods. And then it's like, hey, by the way, we're so in the woods. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my mom's been married a few times before, so I'm like, okay, she got married again. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, so did you did you think that maybe this was going to be a temporary thing? Like they were after they were married. After you found out that they were married, were you expecting to hear like, "Oh, we split up," or were you thinking, "Oh no, this is now it"? Um, I thought that. Well, I thought she would definitely like, hopefully, leave him again. You know, <laughs> um, I thought that she would leave him for sure because I thought like, how could this? Like, how can my mom be with, like, this evil person? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He was so evil. And I just, like, had the feeling that he was seeing other girls. Like, I was just like, this guy's a player, too. Like, he's not with you fully. So you need to, like, get your head out of it and pull yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, it's easier to tell someone that when you're out of that situation. But I did have a lot of empathy for my mom because I was with someone that was extremely terrible to me. And yeah, it was still fun to go back to that. Well, not fun, but it was just like comfortable. comfortable, Yeah. Yeah. It was comfortable. And you like, you want to hope that this person's going to change. You are like, well, I know you do all these terrible things, but like you treat me well. And I think you're a good person deep down. Right. And you have that hope for them. But, like, if they're doing terrible things, they know they're doing terrible things. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's like that, um, you know, they, they cycle through. Um, people who who con and manipulate people, they, they cycle through all of that. So, you know, there's there's the honeymoon phase. And then there's yeah. the, the, you know, they they do these harmful things and then they apologize immediately after saying, Oh, you know, I'll never do that again. And then they're so sweet to you. And then it just goes right back through that cycle. And most of the time you end up kind of having sex and then having those oxytocins go through your body. And so it's like a different feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost like that situation becomes something that your brain remembers as being a good thing, even though it really was a bad thing that maybe sort of had that silver lining, but your brain stores that as a good memory. So now you almost want that negativity again. It's like when people have relationships where they, you know, fight all the time and have like angry, like makeup sex. sex. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're teaching their brain that that's okay. That, Hey, if we fight, we're, I'm going to get some later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they're trauma bonded to this person. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And that's such a dangerous position to be in. Yeah. It's so hard to get out of. (laughs) It's so hard. (laughs) Absolutely. At any time, um, you know, before the the culmination of all of this, did you ever feel like he was going to be physically violent towards your mom? So I had a feeling that he was maybe poisoning her. Oh, um, she kept going to the hospital a lot. So it was just kind of suspicious with that. Yeah. But, you know, I have no proof of that. So I will never know. Right. And did you, did you feel like if that was truly happening, that was potentially because they were married now, and if something were to happen to her, he would basically get everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he would get everything, because I think that he knew how to, like, take us out of, like, he just was crafty. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's so scary to be in a situation like that. And, you know, obviously your mom tried leaving him a few different times and you know statistically uh when somebody leaves a a toxic relationship that's the highest risk for them to be physically harmed did you feel like not only he might come after your mom but that he could potentially come after you guys at at that time 
So I had dreams before she even left him the first time. Like she, it took her two times to leave him, mm-hmm. um, which is actually a lot less than the normal. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The average numbers, it takes seven times to leave someone that's abusive. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so she left and um, it was, yeah, it, that's the most dangerous, but I definitely felt in fear of my life. Yeah. And I felt scared for her too, but I just like, I've had dreams about him or or me stabbing him. So it was extremely weird. And I always had that fear that he would come after me. Wow. So when that actually happened, did you feel like, oh my God, I, I, I felt this would happen? Uh, (laughs) Well, when he, okay. So when he, came after me I was um I was kind of like I was scared but I was more so annoyed (laughs) because I was just like well I knew this was like I knew he was gonna come after me but why today (laughs) concert like I'm trying to get ready for this concert like this is so annoying <laughs> because like you're in shock, you know. Yeah. And you know, like I saw him, and he said, "Do you remember me?" And I immediately knew he was a threat. Mm-hmm. So I tried to get away from him, but I was just like, "Why? Like, why today?" <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. How long had it been since you'd seen him? Um, Christmas. So, so it's a like, weird question for him to ask, do you remember me? Well, I'm like, of course I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. And no, I don't want to talk. I don't want to get stabbed either. No, thank you. <laughs> right, right. And your sister had warned you that he was coming, right? That he may have been coming? Yeah, so she saw him the night before, mm-hmm. and he was, like, trying to hang out around uh, my mom and my sister's apartment complex, mm-hmm. and then she actually chased him with one of her guy friends, and then right. he got onto the freeway and sped off, um, and then, so she told me to keep an eye out for him, but I don't think it was the same car that she told me to look out for, and then... um I like I was just so preoccupied with this Jason Aldean concert. I was <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Going back to before before the attack happened, um, how long into the relationship with with your mom did you guys find out that he, you know, was lying about his profession and, and had a drug addiction and, you know, how long did it take for all of that to come out to you guys? Well, my family hired a private investigator and they were really able to get that information the first time. Okay. Um, it, but he was able to convince my mom when she went back with him that a lot of those things that the private investigator found were not really him, that they were different John Meehans. And so I was like, well, we have all this evidence, but (laughs) now it's like being turned against us. So, Oh my goodness. And so do you, do you know if your mom believed that from him or was she still just kind of like, I want to believe it. So I'm going to stay in the relationship. I personally think that she wanted to believe it mm-hmm. because she was married to him right. and she was like, what did I get myself into? And okay, hope, thank goodness these are different John Meehans, you know? Yeah. It's like, you always want to think the best. Um, and it's really hard to be like, well, this guy might kill my daughter. You know what I mean? But like, she wouldn't even know that. Right. Right. Yeah. So what was it finally that made your mom decide fully I'm going to leave. I'm not going back. I think that like, well, she had to plan to get out the second time. Mm. And I think she was living in this constant fear. And then um, like she left him one day and I can't remember what it was about, but I think he may have like said something about my sister. And then my mom was just like, I'm done. I'm getting out of here. And that's when she, like, packed up one shoe. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so I 
think that that was like the moment. And I think it really was like, well, she wasn't able to see some family members because of him and that really hurt her. And then it was just like, this is just hurting her whole entire relationship with her family. And how could be this guy be a good guy if he's doing that? Mm-hmm. So I think that's when she was like, I need it. Get out. Yeah. And at that time, were you, were you fearful? I mean, I feel like I was in fear, but like, I didn't want to share that Mm. because I was like, well, you just need to get out now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like when there's someone, you don't want to like bring your emotions onto them when they're in their hard spot. You want to help them. Right. So that would be narcissistic. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I mean, I think you have to look out for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think well, anybody like, would have blamed you for that. I mean, if I was like, oh, well, you know, he's going to stab me. Like, he's like, he's the devil. He's going to come after me, not you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in that circumstance, you're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I think we're all in fear here. Right. Yeah. Right. So at any point, had the police been involved? Did anybody file any reports or get any kind of restraining orders or anything? So my mom tried to get restraining orders on him. But the thing is, you can't reply to these guys. And I think that because she was married, she was like, well, I'll just reply to him and hopefully this will go away. And maybe I could just give him money. And that's what he wants, right? Um, but you cannot do that. You can't give them what they want. Right. Right. And, um, so. So like had, had police ever been called for like an incident specifically? (laughs) Yes. Um, so he did light my mom's car on fire. So the police were called for that. Um, but. Yeah, it's kind of a big one. Yeah. They didn't get to arrest him in time. And, um, I actually talked to one of the officers that had the case knew me well and I went to church with him so he told me after this that he was like about to go get him like the next day or so like this is crazy but you know everything happens for a reason so so he lights your mom's car on fire and the police get involved and your friend says okay you know we can't really go get him but and then it just kind of ends there Um, well, they were gathering up information. I actually didn't know he was on the case at the time. I actually found out afterwards because I saw him at a country concert and he came up to me and he just like, he felt remorseful. And because, you know, as a job, as a, as a police officer, he's supposed to protect and serve. So I think that he felt some guilt for not being able to prevent what happened. So they couldn't essentially like pin it on him and get him to um because you're saying that they were gathering evidence information and they just couldn't pin it yeah but they said that they were going to get him like literally the day after (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) so did they did they take statements from you um so they ended up taking not for that incident because um i think i was just moving back from Vegas. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I just had a lot going on. I was going through a breakup during this time mm. too. Okay. So it was a, it's really a rough time in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so when John came to your apartment complex and you you had already mentioned, you know, you you figured it was more of an annoyance than anything because you were trying to get ready to go to this concert that you were so excited about when he actually, you know, started approaching you and had a weapon. What, what kicked in for you? Well, I had no idea he had a weapon to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I saw him at his car, like with a tire iron, but it wasn't on him. And um, he had a Del Taco bag. And that's what the knife was hidden in. Oh. So I had no idea he had a weapon at first. I honestly thought I was getting punched. <laughs> oh, jeez. And um, so 
it was just insane. So he came after me and then he had the knife and I tried to flee from him. I was unable to detach. And then I ended up on my back and I just ended up pedal kicking him and trying to block the knife. And then my dog was in the attack with me. Yeah. And my dog was on his ankles, just trying to bite him and get him off of me. And um, that's when I was able to kick the knife out of his hand and I actually got it. And then I started defending myself and I just started stabbing him back. And then um, I guess like he's, he was brain dead, but they were able to revive him and then they took him to the hospital and then he died a few days later. His sister pulled the plug on him. Uh he was brain dead because you you stabbed him in the eye, correct? Yes. Yeah. Stabbed him in the eye and it hit his brain. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's the softest point of entry. That's like the easiest spot to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, did you think that he was completely dead at the scene? I thought for a minute, but I also, when I got out of that, I took the knife and I tossed it because you never know if the person can wake up or not. And then I just threw it away from his body. And then at that point I realized like I need to get some help maybe. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. sure. Um, Um, Like I already, like my dog started to eat the Del Taco and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) so there was actual Uh, food in there too. It wasn't just a knife. Right. So, because I think I came early, I got off work probably like 30 minutes early okay so i think maybe he was like oh man i was gonna eat this right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you can have a little dinner break before, right, before yeah oh my goodness wow wow had you ever had any kind of self-defense training never i just watched a lot of whack walking well like i did have one class in middle school but it was just like a session where the person came during PE and taught you self-defense. And I can tell you, I didn't use any of those. Yeah. <laughs> no, and usually you don't end up using those kinds of like official techniques. It, most of the time, the right thing to do is exactly what you did. Just kick wildly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah if you manage to get your hand on the weapon, just, just do what you got to do. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Do you feel like, so your your dog's name is Cash, correct? Yes. He is a oh my god that that face I am obsessed with him. Um, how old was he at the time? Oh man, um, he's eight now. So he was, I know he's like nine now. Okay. Ooh, so he was like four or five. Okay. Do you do you feel like he partly saved your life? Do you feel like if he wasn't there, it may have gone differently? Honestly, like, I really don't know, but I definitely do think that he did have a part in it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, at points there is like, like no one understood me except for my dog. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We we are dog people as well. Yep. (laughs) We totally get that. Yeah. I'm actually going to ask you a couple more questions about him um, in a bit. Um, So after the attack, what you know the a neighbor had called the police um the police arrive what was going through your head at that time i just need to get to the jason aldean concert somehow (laughs) (laughs) so you've been stabbed there's a man lying on the ground and you still really want to see this concert it's amazing (laughs) Oh, I'm. Uh, I need to get this taken care of real quick. Hopefully, they can just like patch me up. You're amazing. <laughs> I forgot about for the interviews, <laughs> even though I watched so much criminal. Like I watched like Criminal Minds, Law and Order, um, yeah. CSI. I've watched all those shows, so like I know that the person gets questioned for hours. Yeah. But I was still like, wait, are we going to be able to wrap this up? I need to know. <laughs> it was his fault. But you're not gonna make it. <laughs> yeah. Like, even and when you just have like, a car accident, it's like an hour oh, and a half, yeah. two hours. <laughs> yeah. 
No, they're like, we're so sorry. You, I don't think you're going to make it. No, <laughs> oh my goodness. you're not. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to want to try to Craigslist those tickets right now. <laughs> Well, I, like, I couldn't, like, they were non-refundable. <laughs> I, I was like, wait, my friend's going to be here any minute now. <laughs> and they were like, I, we need to take your phone from you. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, wow. So, um, so what kind of injuries did you sustain? Um, I just have, um, like, a, I had, like, a stab on my arm, my forearm, and that was, like, an inch deep. And then I also had a stab, like, right underneath my left breast. Um, and that one was, like, a centimeter deep. And um, and then I had, like, a mark on my face. It was just an artificial one. It went away, honestly, within two days. Mm-hmm. It was, like, he just barely graced me. Um, and, yeah, no, I just had that. But they thought that the one in my chest could be critical. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, when they found that they sent me to an, um, the trauma unit. Mm. Were you questioned by the police in the hospital? Yes. Mm. I was, uh, probably questioned for like three hours. Wow. Wow. Obviously, ultimately this was, this was self-defense. Um, were you ever charged with anything or after the questioning, did they just say that this is through and through self-defense we're not even going forward with anything so after everything like I was kind of in shock and just like aloof and I just wanted everyone to think I was okay Mm -hmm. and so I didn't really think about like if I would be in trouble or not Mm -hmm. it was just something like oh like he's was bad like and then there was so many witnesses yeah so it was like a like a closed case like yeah you know it happened um in a like in a place where people had balconies that overlooked the parking garage so it was like there was so many properties right and there was actually a young girl that that tried to come to your aid right um yeah she was like the third person there oh okay okay (laughs) yeah no it's just like Sorry. It's just like, she, like, I love the fact that she was there. She was so helpful for me and I'm so grateful. Yeah. Um, but like her mom hasn't been so happy with me Oh. because I apparently put her daughter through the situation. Um. She had PTSD from everything and I feel so bad that she did, but you know, I didn't ask for anyone to help me. I didn't, I like, you know, I didn't ask for anyone to be there, and I'm so sad that she had to go through this and experience that. But hey, she got a um, a full ride scholarship to UCLA. So, oh wow, you know, Good there's great things that happen out of this. Oh my goodness, that's unfortunate because you know this is a young girl who was trying to help somebody. Um, And that's a wonderful thing. And of course, of course, this is a traumatic experience for everybody involved. I mean, obviously for you, uh, first and foremost, but to to witness something like this, yes, it's definitely um, traumatic, especially for a young mind, but for someone to be upset with you because you were attacked and trying to defend yourself and potentially defend others because you, you didn't know if John was possibly going to harm anybody who who did come to help yeah it's that's very unfortunate it's really unfair yeah yeah no I I felt bad about it at first and I honestly this is kind of the first time I'm really talking about it Mm. um just because like I never wanted to hurt her or like offend her anything but like literally like she did an article about me with like um (laughs) with the um OCC and in the article it says like how I like didn't um like I wasn't very thankful and stuff and I was just like that's not really nice like I had to go through this experience and I had so much PTSD and I like my in my mind like she was there and I was grateful for her being there but I'm just trying to not kill myself today. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're trying to survive. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. And so I just think it's really hurtful that that has to be said. Like, you know, she did a good deed. Why can't it just be left at that? Right. Absolutely. Why can't we, why can't we praise her for having the courage to try to help and and the sympathy to try to help you? Why does this, why does this have, why do we have to turn this into an even more negative thing that it already is? Well, you know, when, fame gets involved it's like everybody wants a yeah. slice of that yes but in reality like i'm doing it because i want people to learn from this experience and i want to you know i want them to know that they're not alone and like feeling a certain way you know mm-hmm. ptsd is not fun to go through yes. and i want them to know that they could get through it we can get through this stuff together absolutely absolutely and that's i think the most important thing and you know with without sounding cliche and and without trying to give this this moment that you had this 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 horrible moment that you had um some sort of light but you know a silver lining here is now that you can you can educate others um on what you've been through and how you've been coping with it and that's such an important important message to send out there especially when people don't know that there are others who have gone through things like this people want to hear other stories because they need they need somebody that they can bond with they need somebody that they can they can know oh hey they've been through similar to what i've been through i'm not alone yeah a hundred percent and you know what if she would have come to me too and been like hey like I want to like get lunch or something. Like I want to connect over this. Like, yes. Like, how do we heal from this? I'd be like, yes, let's do it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the only way to heal from that is to, when you've shared an experience like that with someone is you have to get together and you have to talk about it and you have to share your feelings yeah. because if you just separate from that person, you're never really going to be able to heal like that. You know, even yeah. if you talk to a shrink or a loved one or someone who wasn't there, it's not really going to do the same thing as speaking to the people who were there. there. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I remember the first guy that came to the scene, he came to the dirty John live event that we had for the podcast. Mm. And I got my closure there because like, he was like, I was so worried, you know, we didn't hear anything after, but I just wanted to make sure you're okay now. And I got to meet his girlfriend and it was just like, I was so thankful for that. And I felt like that kind of put closure on what he saw and then kind of closure on like, okay, like I know that guy is okay now. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. To, to know that the others involved, um, even just the witnesses, um, you know, that, that probably feels good to you knowing that others are, are, are feeling okay. They're healing. Yeah. No, it definitely feels so amazing because, you know, I felt so bad that my trauma affected this one girl so much. Yeah. And it's like, I don't have control over that, though. Absolutely. And and you shouldn't feel bad about the things that you can't control. Right. (sighs) Right. It's, it's, again, it's unfortunate that, that, that situation is, has possibly made it a little bit worse for you when, it really shouldn't. You, you didn't have control over that. And, you know, you, you, you didn't even really have control over what was happening at the time. I mean, your, your body and your mind were just taking over. Everything was just, you were going into almost like autopilot. Um, You know, that's what happens when we're, when we're in traumatic events. So nothing about this situation could have been controlled aside from what John did. Yeah. So it, it shouldn't be looked at as, as your fault for having her uh, feel the way that she does. Um, you know, it's, it's real. I mean, when we, when we break it down, it's, it's John's fault, oh, 100%. Yeah. you know? Um, and I, I don't know if people, you know, uh, so many people oftentimes will, will blame the victim. Yeah. So, you know, this seems to be no different than that. And it's just, we really have to try to change the the culture and the way of thinking about these situations where the perpetrator is the one at fault. Yes, 100%. 
it's like like kind of like the same thing you know when girls get mad at the other girl for like cheating it's like but the guy cheated yes exactly <laughs> or like the, you know whatever your case if a girl a girl you know the other person cheated mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely I, we talk about that a lot too that it's just mm-hmm. how can you blame the person that didn't know uh didn't have the control over the situation i mean it's 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 not it's not their fault and i'll just i'll continue saying that it's um you know i i hope that you know tara that it's not your fault um so you you did an incredible incredible thing and that's why we wanted you on the podcast because you are such an inspiration to so many people it it's it's unbelievable all of the things that you have been through to be so positive and empowering. Um, so I, I hope that you know that. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, so you, you, you suffer from PTSD now um, from this incident. Um, can you talk a little bit about what immediately your, your PTSD maybe manifested into and how you've been able to cope since then? So I technically have, um, complex PTSD also, uh, and then like P, uh, basically a combat, um, PTSD from this event. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think that, well, first of all, my body was kind of already in fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. So it kind of prepared me for this incident, um, having childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's a blessing um, in disguise. Yeah. And so is this too. Um, I think that there's so many things that I had, unhealthy relationship patterns, unhealthy coping patterns. And I didn't really know how to manage uh, a lot of stress in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I, well, like, first of all, when you go through an incident, first, you're kind of in shock. You kind of have to go through like the levels of like grieving, like the five steps, kind of like that. (laughs) Um, And then you kind of get to this point where you're just triggered by so many things and you feel like you're going crazy. Um, You feel like, well, me personally, I felt like I don't know how I can ever have a normal life. Uh, And then I started trying to figure out, like, I kind of went to rock bottom, (laughs) we could say. And then at that point, I'm like, I can't live my life this way. I need to figure out away. So I went to Texas. I stayed with my sister for a while and her family, and they were able to get me into therapy, EMDR therapy. I went twice a week at one point and I really got a lot of help that way. And there was like a point where I felt like I was completely healed. I uh, had to get a job though, because you know, you have to make a living And so I came back to California because I started working for my mom in California, but I love Texas. Like Texas will always have my heart. (laughs) And I just started working here. And then, um, some of the triggers came back. And so I had to go back into EMDR therapy and it's just like, uh, always, um, like trying to find the right balance of what I need to do, like the right balance of how much I need to work, how much I need to work out, um, how much like journaling I need to do, like finding the balance of that for each week. Um, just because each week can be a little bit different, like something may happen that can trigger me or I could have like a completely normal week where I don't have any triggers. And so it's just, um, PTSD, like trauma is held within the body and you have to work through it with your mind, body, and soul, basically. Do you, do you feel like having, um, animals has helped you also cope? I think so, but there are moments where they have 
triggered me. Oh, okay. (laughs) I love my dog, but he was in the attack with me. And when he barks, um, it sometimes reminds me that I'm not safe. Yes. So, um, I can, I have to sometimes like tell him like, Hey, we need to calm down. And then I need to go do a meditation or just like calm breathing, um, or just like a cognitive exercise to get rewired because my, um, brain's put into fight mode in that Mm -hmm. instant. And sometimes like I love cash, but I'll have to lock myself in the room away from him. Yeah. Um, just because I know what I'm capable of doing. And if it's like, there's a trigger, like I could be on edge and I don't want to feel that way. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's so important that you know that. Yeah. Um, and you're able to get yourself out of that, that situation and, and, um, bring yourself back grounded essentially. Because a lot of times when, you know, when people go through trauma, they choose to internalize it. And then they don't acknowledge that that's a part of them that they have to maintain control of. And so they allow that to control them and to control their actions. And a lot of times people that, you know, do these, these negative actions towards other people, they're doing them because they've experienced trauma in their lives, because they had abusive parents or whatever it may be. They were, you know, uh, and they allow these things to build up and eventually control their actions and drive them to do negative things. So it's a really, really, really good thing that you're acknowledging that this is something that you have to acknowledge and you have to learn to deal with in on its own terms. And it's, that's a great thing that we can tell to everyone else. You know, again, this is an opportunity to educate. And so hopefully other people will be listening to your experience and say, Hey, you know what, when I get triggered by something, I yell at my dog, maybe I'll try her trick. Maybe I'll try just locking myself in a room and meditating for a little bit. And then I won't have to yell at my dog. Exactly. Or even like, you know, put them in the crate for a minute. When I had a puppy, it was really stressful. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, there's moments like, honestly, but she, okay. So I had a big dog for her apartment. She was a puppy and I didn't know she was a Akita mix, um, German Shepherd, all these things. I thought she was part Aussie and Border Collie, which I've had those type of dogs in apartments. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I would run her 13 miles a day sometimes. Wow. Yes. And she would still come back and have so much energy. And I would be like, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I couldn't do 13 miles in a day. Right. So it had to put like, I would, when she would literally like run across the wall, she would run across the wall. Um, uh, I would have to be like, okay, I need to take a moment. This is too much. Let me put you in your crate and mm-hmm. take care of myself, sure. you know, and then come back to the situation, deal with it when I've calmed myself down. Right. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. It's that's that's so important to to know how to, you know, we talked about uh, control and it's yeah. so important to know how to control those moments within yourself. So that is such a lesson that I think so not not learn. even just people with PTSD or any sort of anxiety. I think just everyone yeah. everyone needs to know how to control those situations and control their emotions in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not a therapist or anything, but I feel like I'm very observant Mm -hmm. and I've noticed something with like even my mom or anything. There's certain things that happen where there's like too much noise around and then that affects your sensory. And then you can't, she can't process through certain information as well. And so it's just like, really trying to understand what your triggers are and stuff. And, you know, a lot of the times it is stuff to do with your sensory. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our, our senses are so um, in tune. Um, And we actually on another podcast talked about um, the sense of smell actually being one of the most highly in tune. And a lot of times when we go through trauma, um, our sense of smell is going to really be, something that um, later down the road, whether we realize it or not, can be a huge trigger. So yeah, our senses are, they can take over when we don't even know. Yeah, no, just as you saying that right now, I'm 
like I was a little bit <laughs> because like if you're in your attack or your trauma, you can always go back to the smell is. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's such a, it's such a bizarre thing. There are times actually just recently I smelled something. I mean, thankfully it was a good memory, but I smelled something and it, it brought me back to when I was like six years old. Oh wow. And it was, it was the most bizarre thing. And I had such a vivid memory of what it was that I was smelling. And it's just, it's so amazing what the brain can do. Um, But it's also sometimes a little scary. Yeah. No, it just like, even you talking about your good smells, it like kind of transitioned me back into like a good smell because I'm like, oh, that one smell um, when you're like a kid that you used to smell. I'm like, okay, that's a good smell. Yeah. 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 I felt like even my brain kind of changed mm-hmm. in that yeah. moment. Right. It's it's incredible what what our brains can do. <laughs> um, so you you also do um, toxic relationship and PTSD recovery coaching. Um, can you talk a little about that? Yeah. So I get each client. Um, a lot of the times, it's mostly they have experienced both. Okay. Um, but like, you know, sometimes when you get into it and you're like, oh, I need toxic relationship recovery therapy, then you're like, I don't, when you get into it, then you start having all these realizations, like I have experienced trauma. So then we kind of change the course and we're like, okay, what do we need you to do? Um, we get together a plan. I get, um, I have calls with them once a week and I just check in on them and then we schedule a video chat every here and there. And then um, I have different worksheets that I give them and then I recommend different books, different tools. I also just have a person that helps hold them accountable also. So if they need to, a lot of the times it's like we have so many emotions as humans and especially as girls, um, because <laughs> our hormones are a little bit different than guys. <laughs> yep. And so you need to just type something out and say to that person when you don't really need to say it to them, you could send it to your friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And that's what that buddy's there for. You know, you could send that message that you've been wanting to tell him, like, you know, I'm very upset with this, you know, tell it to your friend. Mm -hmm. And then, um, that kind of helps with the no contact, um, because it's extremely important to have no contact with your abuser or with this toxic person, because unless you're married to them or have kids, then you have to do certain contact but it's really trying to navigate the boundaries with that. Yeah. And if it's possible, yeah, no contact with them unless you have kids. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Or work with them. There's like, those are the only two exceptions. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, we really just hopefully heal them um, and find them ready to get into a healthy relationship. But we have to fix what has been holding them back and what has been bringing them into these unhealthy relationships. Right. Do you coach men as well? So I haven't had someone, well, like I've had a few followers contact me that were male. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have to be honest, I don't feel comfortable in those situations. Um, because I felt like this person in particular, I think that, well, something that I've always learned in church um, growing up is that the girls had the girls counselors and the boy had the boy counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you start allowing people to have uh, a look at your life, you start having trust in them. And then sometimes you start developing feelings for these people. Mm. And that's something that I really saw was a pattern in the church when, um, you know, the girl would go to the pastor for advice, then she would develop a crush on him. And then it was really hard to navigate that. And (laughs) so I, I personally stay away from, um, male clients unless they're gay, to be honest. Okay. Mm. Okay. Um, just because I think that I could give them insight, but I also don't want them to fall for me. Yes. 
Understood. Absolutely. You don't want that conflict there. And, and it, it, it would deter from what the, the true uh, meaning of the coaching is. Yeah. So um, do you have any advice for, for loved ones of people who are in toxic relationships? So being a bystander, you know, obviously you have been in toxic relationships yourself, but being a bystander to your mom's relationship with John and her previous relationships as well. What would your advice be to somebody who was in your situation um, in that moment? So first and foremost, I want to say, have your boundaries up where you don't allow it to get to you and affect your life. Yeah. Um, Because first of all, that's the most important. I always tell people this expression because sometimes, you know, self-care, you think it's, um, selfish. So I tell this to everyone, when you're going down on the plane, you have to put your mask on first before you put it on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that is what self-care is. Like Absolutely. you're making sure you're whole before you can help any other person. So yes. make sure you're whole before you can help this person and have boundaries if it gets too much. But if you really feel the need to, help this person out and stuff. The only way they're going to see it is if they realize it for themselves. Yeah. You can't tell this person like this person's so evil. Like you can't talk negatively on their partner, to be honest. Mm. You have, you can tell them that you are curious about this one incident um and so you're hesitant but you can't tell them that they're a bad person right you got to take baby steps and 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 you know like you said ask them about a specific incident and be like oh that's kind of weird what how do you feel about that and maybe let them come to their own conclusion like yeah you know what that is kind of wacky yeah like you kind of need to play a game with like the guy sure. you kind of need to be like we're cool um but i really don't like you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't tell him that uh, <laughs> you just be cool with him but like don't let him get into your space you know yeah. because having boundaries is extremely healthy and if you are that one friend that doesn't allow boundaries like that it just like allows anyone to tell you everything and then you get too involved in their business like they're gonna take advantage of you too now (laughs) right yeah yeah um do you have any advice right now for people who are coping with ptsd i say that if you haven't taken a step to get therapy help or anything other, or if you found a therapist that you honestly don't like and you want to still get help, keep searching for more therapists. There's always going, like some therapists will put you in your place and hold you accountable, but if it is too triggering to you or you feel like this person is just a jerk, honestly, you can shop around. Like I like to say, like, if you're shopping for a house, you're going to do so much investment into it. You're going to get someone to check, um, like, the floor of the house and, you know, if there's mold there and you're going to spend so much money. This is your life. So you should put as in, as much investment in your life as you would be into getting a house, you know? I, I like that analogy a lot. Yeah, that's a, that is a good <laughs> like that. <laughs> so we're coming to a close. Um, so do you have any any parting words for our listeners? Um, I say that just like focus on your self-care. It's never selfish. Give yourself love, but also hold yourself accountable um, because you could give yourself so much love, but and tell yourself you're doing great, but you have to fix the things that are blocking what's putting you from moving forward. And then also, if you're in the Orange County area, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but on August 20th, I'm having an event for 
my survival anniversary and all the proceeds are going to Win Georgia Smile Foundation for Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault. And it is the Robin McGraw and uh, Dr. Phil Foundation. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for doing that also. Thank you. Um, so how can our listeners find you? You guys can find me on, I'm most active on Instagram. My handle is Tara Newell, T-E-R-R-A-N-E-W-E-L-L. I'm also on Twitter, Tara underscore Newell. And then I'm also on Facebook, but I'm not on there as much. I'm creating a workbook and it has all these uh, different techniques and different cognitive exercises and whatnot. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you so, so incredibly much for, for being a guest and sharing your story and your experience and just, again, being such an incredible inspiration to so many people. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We, we are honored. Yeah, it's, it's always great when, when, you know, you can take something like this that's obviously a very negative thing and you can turn it into a positive for so many people. So, I mean, like we always say on our podcast that we're, we're doing this to educate, you know, we don't just want to tell, you know, clickbaity stories that are like, oh, something horrible happened and everybody wants to, you know, listen to the podcast about it because it's exciting or whatever. Like we pick these topics because you can take this one bad incident that maybe no one's ever heard about or, or, or only very few people have heard about yeah. and and really educate people yeah. on, you know, what the warning signs are. Right. And in your case, yeah, I mean, you gave a lot of information about things that people can look out for yeah. and potentially prevent themselves from being in a situation that you, that you were in altogether. Right. So really, thank you so much because this will help people and really, you know, keep, keep campaigning, go on all the podcasts Absolutely. that you can, hold as many <laughs> talks as you can because you're, you're helping people every time you do something like this. Yes. Thank you. That means so much because that's the only, like, I've always been the kid to, um, my mom always used to get mad at me because I didn't want to have like a job. I would just wanted to go, um, feed the homeless. And, go to and, stuff. and she's like, but you have to make money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, now I can kind of do both, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's such a special thing and it takes such a special person to do exactly what you're doing. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you guys.